0: Steve. Good morning, how are you doing? Really well. Firstly, congratulations. How's the hangover been this week? <laughs> I don't drink, so uh, oh, great. that's all right. <laughs> it's
1: good. good. I, 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 was giddy. I was very giddy on the, uh, on the excitement of
0: it. This football club you support, Peterborough United, and thank you for helping me tick off one of the bigger clubs in the 92 that I haven't spoken to. I was holding out for Dara, but I think we have enough Dara. So when I contacted... Yeah, yeah, his podcast is very good. It is, isn't it great? I spoke to Philip Ideson, who is a Bradford fan and has helped um, yeah. Dara with it. So I got his view of it. So we've, we've talked in a way about Dara, but you can never have enough. Uh, apparently there's a second book on the way. Have you read his first one?
1: I've read his first one. Yeah, it was very good. It was A little while ago, when it was, it was when it came out or, originally.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Very good. Very insightful. Yeah. And he's al- he's always good value, and uh,
1: he's obviously a very busy man back in uh, back in the states now, and uh, planning for the championship.
0: So he's an absent. <laughs> he's an owner who does. Does he fly in for every home match?
1: No, he doesn't fly. He flies in certain times of the year. So I think he's, he's he tends to come in in the summer. And go on the uh, preseason tour, oh, and then it'll come around Christmas again. And then I think then he then he comes again towards the end of the season. He, I think he flew home just before the Doncaster game last weekend. So, uh, and obviously the, the the two Canadian guys, uh, Randy and uh, Jason, who are also absent owners as well. But they uh, they they were they were here for the uh, promotion party.
0: So who runs it on the ground?
1: The CEO of Peterborough is, is Bob Sims, who's a brilliant guy. He's been in the club for years. He he kind of he runs the club, and obviously Barry's Barry's still there, um, involved in all the transfer business and and getting the deals done.
0: Yes, I I completely forgot that Barry Fry is the director of football. So he is wheeling yes. and a dealing. He actually is picked up on quite rightly by Kevin Day in his book. Who are you? which lists all the great things about the club. Uh, One of the bad things for him is 1961. Peterborough won the fourth division, scoring 134 goals. That's correct. Palace scored 110, that's Kevin's team, and finished two points behind them. Even when we scored our record-ever number of goals, some bugger had to score more.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and that was Terry Bly scored 52 of those goals. And then... uh... I think the only person, the closest person we've had to scoring that amount of goals, is this season when Johnson Clark Harris
0: got thirty-one. Oh wow! Yes, of which more later. It is with Peterborough yeah. Kevin Day writes that Barry Fry is most closely associated, uh, having been at Birmingham and Barnet. Uh, in the past two decades, in a bit, he has been manager, director, chairman, director of football, and owner, often at the same time. Although he was banned from football for uh, a couple of. Uh, months in 2019 yes Yes, yeah so do his taints and honours weigh equal is barry fry looked upon more with pride than with scorn he did after all manage you for nine seasons in between 96 and 2005
1: barry's a bit of a a, a marmite character i think outside of the football club and as a you know within football he's loved he did go through a stage where um there was a the supporters' association set up to uh, to get rid of him or to, to want to want him out of the club, but I think now that's kind of calmed down. I think now I think he probably stayed on too long as a manager. To be fair, I think that tainted his uh, his goodwill within the club. But um, now he, he's you know he, he does he does all the business. He's well, he's 76 now. He's still working every day. He's had heart attacks. It, replacements he, he had a bad very bad spell with covid oh. towards the end of last year i think he, he was saying on, a, on an interview after the promotion that he was in bed for three weeks couldn't move for three weeks so uh but luckily he uh he came through that but yeah now he i think now he does he does a fantastic job in in selling and buying players and and getting good deals and making sure we've got the right add-ons and and we're giving the right add-ons out. So, yeah, I think now
0: his his uh, status is a bit higher than it was a, a few years ago. I think I should speak to him, because I'm writing a book about the FA Youth Cup, and incredibly, right, yeah. um, he was one of the Busby Babes. Does he talk about that time of his life often? I think
1: he used to, yeah. I remember, I remember I've seen a picture of him score I think he played for England Youth at Wembley and scored a goal, maybe. I think that, that kind of rings a bell. But, yeah, he's, Barry's always... always um, you know, we, we've met, obviously met him a few times, um, and he's, he's, he's always good value, and he's, he's, uh, he's always got a story, and always got his thumbs up and shouting, whee! But yeah, he's, uh, he's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's a good guy.
0: His autobiography called Big Fry, good title, uh, is available for £2.99 on, as an e-book. Um, Sir Alex Ferguson wrote the foreword, um, yeah. which I found incredible. I haven't read the book, uh, have you?
1: Yes, I have. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, again
0: a little while ago, probably when it came out. Two thousand came it. out. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's got a, got a lot of
1: stories in there, and uh, I think there's, there's the famous famous Harry Redknapp story where uh, I think Harry threatened to break his legs over a deal that went that favoured Barry rather than Harry. I think. So, uh, yeah. yeah. That, that's another that's another another good book. I think
0: I think that's, that that story is probably in one of Harry's books. It is. As well. Yes, Harry Redknapp, by the way, can't write a word. Five books. That is why the world is completely upside down. I would love, actually, I know Harry did do some, uh, or he was due to do some uh, talking and book signings, but for COVID. But Barry and Harry is a perfect event if I were to open a physical football library uh, to get, because I do want people to talk about uh, their books and their work. And this is where I encourage you to write a book, uh, Steve Thorpe, because (laughs) you're... Your Free Kicks Foundation, don't worry, I was going to plug it anyway, uh, seems to be um, one of the great aspects of football that I should have known about. So, in two minutes, can you give a potted history of the Free Kicks Foundation?
1: Yeah, Free Kicks Foundation is a charity that I run with my uh, friend Sam. We raise money to give disadvantaged children days out of football, so we're, we're... a voluntary charity. It's just run by, run by the two of us, uh, with, a, with a group of trustees behind us, and uh, we take children who are sick, bereaved, disadvantaged in any way, uh, young carers, foster children, off to football. And mostly, mostly, as mascots, what we like to do is, is get them in, a, in as mascots, and they get to meet the players. Um, Go on the tour of the ground, go and have a out on the pitch, and then obviously the the big thing, leading the team out before the uh, before kickoff. And uh, obviously over the last year, we we haven't been able to do that, so it's been kind of a really hard year for us because it's you know we love we love doing it. It's it's a, it's a a great feeling to to get these children who you know take their minds off their troubles for a day that we get them, they they get nominated by hospitals, hospices, and we've got connections with other charities around the country um, who nominate the children for for day outs. We don't just do it at Peterborough. When we go to away games, we'll arrange for someone from the local area to be the home mascot. And we've got connections with clubs all over the country from the time when we were in the championship before, um, Huddersfield teams like that, who we've who we've we've got long long associations with, um, to to give give the children the days out.
0: Have you got an affiliation with Millwall? Given that Mark Beavers, I think, used to play for Millwall.
1: He did used to play for yeah. Millwall. Yeah, we've done we've done a lot of Millwall over the years. We've had mascots and they're they're always always um, welcoming. We've we've um, worked with some charities down in London to, to nominate. Um, children to be mascots at Millwall, and that's, that's another another good club. But despite you know, despite the reputation, they they're probably apart from Peaceborough fans, they're probably the club that's raised more money off the fan, right. group of fans that have raised more money for us than any other. Because uh, one of their fanzines donated money to us at at one point, and uh, we've had fundraising events there. We've, we, we did a walk around all the London grounds one year because we have to raise. All our own money, ourselves. Um, so we, we, we think of different events that we do. we do. We do a lot of cycling events, but this was a, a walk over four days around all the grounds in London, starting at Barnet and, and all the way down to Crystal Palace and finishing at Wembley.
0: How eastwards do you go? Is it West Ham or
1: South End? Mm-hmm. Dagenham, so Dagenham. it went even further, because it was when Dagenham were in the league, so mm-hmm. it was all the all the London league teams, so we started at um, Barnet, went to Arsenal, Spurs, Orient, it was Upton Park in those days, and then out to Dagenham, across to Charlton Millwall, down to Crystal Palace, and then back up uh,
0: Crystal Palace to Chelsea, Fulham, QPR, Brentford, and finished at Wembley. Bro, You must write this book because the funds can go towards the book. You can get a great sponsor. Might I recommend Pitch Publishing, which is what I do a lot uh, in this show because they've got me. Yeah, it'd definitely be something. Yeah, because we've obviously got a lot of stories over the year. We've been to, I think
1: we've been to probably over seventy of the ninety-two current clubs now. We've we've, we've, uh, arranged days out. Obviously, some of the bigger clubs it's trickier to get the mascot packages, so we kind of. Pay for um, hospitality packages Mm -hmm. or or tickets. Um, We've also got a couple of Club
0: Wembley tickets that we use that we purchased and we use for um, for taking children to the England game. So, Ah, and we will we'll get back to Wembley shortly. But just a potted history of Peterborough United. Founded in which year?
1: 1934.
0: Yep, correct. And uh, you were the kings of the Midland League. It's no wonder you did so well in 1961, because I didn't know this. Consecutive wins every season between 55-56 and 59-60 of the Midland League, helped by the goals of Dennis Emery. Are you familiar with stories about him? Yeah, because my um, my mum
1: used to go to the football before before she had me in 1967. She... uh, she uh, used to go all over. She um, worked for British Rail, so oh, wow. they got the free free train tickets and followed posh all over the country. So yeah, so I was versed in in the history of posh right from right from a young age. My granddad and auntie and uncle who, who used to, who I used to go with when I first started. But yes, yeah, so yeah, I know all the stories of Emery and Ellis Stafford and and uh, obviously Terry Bly when we got promoted. Billy Hales.
0: Names that should never be forgotten. And in without swearing, what did your mum make of the Dr. Beeching reforms? Um, uh, I'm
1: not sure, really. I'm never, I'm not, I can't say I've ever, ever really asked her.
0: Because um, well, I've read Stuart McConey's book about Britain, and he he introduced me to what Beeching did, which was yeah. phase out all the little-used stations. Peterborough, of course, like, is yeah. a hub. It's a hub of a station. It's a, It stops off... Uh, from the GNER, LNER out of King's Cross, it's a famous town. Yeah. Uh, and famous Peterborough because in 1961 you went up. Uh, two impressive cup performances. Who beat you in the 64-65 FA Cup quarter final? That was Chelsea. And was your uh, mum there? Five-one. Yeah, she would
1: have been at that game, yeah. It was the same year we had the record attendance against Swansea in one of the previous rounds, and obviously we beat Arsenal in in that year as well.
0: And then the League Cup semi-final, 65-66, you lost to the eventual winners, who are... West Brom. What style of play did Peterborough play? Was it the old-fashioned, two wide men, two big blokes up front?
1: Yeah, it was... was, um... Obviously, probably not a lot different to, to the way we play today, just score more goals than, uh, than the opposition kind of, kind of football. That's the Darren Ferguson that's probably built into the DNA over, over, over the years. We've always been a team that scored lots of goals and tried to outscore because you look at some of the scores back in, back in those days and we were winning games 6-3 and 7-3 and 5-4 and, and uh, that happened a few years ago when uh, doing one of Darren's previous uh, terms as Posh manager.
0: 1979, relegated back to the fourth tier. Yeah. Uh, do you, you, when did you first go to London Road?
1: My first game was in March '74. Posh beat Newport County 2-0. And then went on that season to win the league. So as a, as a six, seven-year-old, I thought it was going to be like that every season. <laughs> you know, you get get go to your first few games and the team keeps winning and then there was uh the last game of the season, that season, we played Ginningham and we're Posh were already promoted, Ginningham were already promoted and uh it was basically a battle to see whichever team won won the league and Posh won four two that that night. So uh, that was a kind of a, a great introduction as a six, like six seven-year-old, to, to football and, and a team winning. And uh, so, yeah, so that was a, a couple of good years to start.
0: Yeah, so you're a supporter of 50 years, which makes you, of course, a legacy fan.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah.
0: One of your club legends is the guy who taught David De Gea when he was at Man United. Eric Steele became Eric a legendary Steel, yeah. goalkeeping coach. Have you met him? Have you congratulated him on um teaching you what great goalkeeping looks like.
1: No, no I never met Eric. Um obviously he, he looks like yeah, like you say, he was the goalkeeper the the season we went up and then for a, a, two or three years after that. So yeah, he was the the first goalkeeper that i I ever I ever saw play for Posh and obviously he's gone on to have a played for Derby I think after he played well, for that us. Means but, about, yeah, he, yeah. yeah and he obviously has gone on to have a great career as um as a coach, I remember him coming back a couple of times and seeing him introduced him on the pitch down at London Road, and uh, yeah, he got he got a great cheer there. So yeah, so he uh, he would be the first goalkeeper that I remember as a posh fan.
0: The pre-Barry Fry era must have been disastrous, M- marooned in the fourth tier, going to places like well, you can tell me Darlington, Carlisle, uh, yeah, Hull. Yeah. Do you have a particularly awful memory of seeing Peterborough lose a game on a wet, cold day?
1: <laughs> yeah, they were. Tough, the eighties were tough years to be a posh fan. You know, John wile was the manager at the top ta- for some of the time. We had Martin Wilkinson. We had brief cup runs. We had a good cup run in 80, it 85 or eighty six, where we got to the fifth round, fourth round, or fifth round and lost fifth round and lost to Brighton in a replay. Dean Saunders scored a winner and broke our hearts. In the eighties, I would have been just coming up sixteen, seventeen. I just I started going to away matches on the uh, on the supporters coach with my friends and uh, before, obviously before we had cars and before we could drive there were some long trips to godforsaken places and obviously in those days it was a lot of open terraces you'd stand on so you'd get wet I think Port Vale I remember going to on on the coach once and the coach got there about twelve. And obviously we were too young to get in the pubs, so we couldn't do it really. We do anything. We just hung around the ground for a long time, and then got beat and had to get back on the coach for the long journey back. To what seemed like a long journey in those days, back back to Peterborough.
0: Yes, proper. The eighties the was not a fun time. It was for Watford fans. We were uh, laughing, and there is a Watford yeah, connection yeah. with Peterborough. It was lovely to see two hundred and thirty-six appearances. Uh, for Peterborough, Worrell Sterling, who is also well, a Watford yeah. legend,
1: great guy Worrell. I've met him a few times. Played against him. He, he, he played for the um, Posh Legends for a few years, so I've met Worrell
0: after his after his Posh career, and he still lives local. Oh, really? Still lives around yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. He's um, he's a teacher, I think. I
1: think, or some kind of college lecturer or, or something like that. But yeah, he lives still lives in Peterborough, and yeah, he 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 was a brilliant player. We actually. Um, we we had a hamster and we named him after
0: <laughs> after,
1: after Wall. He was called Wazza. So yeah, but yeah, he was he was brilliant and he scored. We're just talking about it today actually on on, um, on Facebook. It's it's 29 years to the day since um, we won at Huddersfield. Uh, Wall scored the equal it, in the playoffs. This was we drew two two at home. With Huddersfield, and then we went to Huddersfield on uh, a, a few days afterwards. Huddersfield scored after about three or four minutes, and it was all a bit a bit down. Obviously, three two, we were three-two down after a few minutes, and wondering whether we were going to going to get to Wembley. Uh, Wall scored in the second half, and then Steve Cooper, who's, who sadly passed away not long after that, um, scored a 87th-minute diving header. To, uh,
0: to get, take us to Wembley for the first time, and that was, and I say that was 29 years ago today. Oh, passed away with what?
1: Um, I think it was similar. To, do you remember David Longhurst who used to play for Peterborough and passed away just heart defect. I think oh. I think it was a, a sim- similar thing to that. He, I think he was still playing then when he passed away. Just one of those heart defects that
0: people get, like Mark Vivian syndrome kind of thing, and that's,
1: mm-hmm. that's undetected.
0: It's exactly. Very common, very common in professional yeah. football. Yeah. So in 1992, when football was restructured, you went up from the third division to Division One.
1: Yeah, that's correct. That was the that was that year that um, Wall scored the equaliser at Huddersfield, and then we won at Huddersfield, went to Wembley, twenty five thousand posh fans on our first visit to Wembley on a boiling hot day, and we beat Stockport two one ten Charlery, another late goal it was. It was uh, 87th minute again. I think Marcus Ebden passed passed the ball through. Stockport had a very very short goalkeeper, Neil Edwards, then. He was, I think it must have been only 5'8", And Charlery logged him and uh, sent, us into, sent us crazy on our first visit to Wembley.
0: And at this time, you were old enough to drink alcohol. So do you remember much <laughs> about those celebrations in uh, I remember we went
1: on a i used to work for Thomas Cook at the time we had a coach coach from work there so yeah i think it was it was a bit lively on the on the coach. The coach driver managed to take us the wrong way up or we were going up the m one instead of up the a one so we missed yeah. out on all the all the coaches were going up up the a one and there were people on bridges as we were, as they were coming into Peterborough. And I think we missed all that because we we were a bit, a bit, a bit delayed. Um, getting, uh, I remember we we came back to the local pub around here, um, the Bluebell. I don't know how how we knew because we went into town afterwards because obviously there were no mobile phones in those days. But we we'd heard the players were out in town and the manager Chris Turner. And we, we ended up all. Everybody ended up as thousands of people in, in Cathedral Square in the centre of Peterborough at midnight celebrating. And uh, yeah, that was that was a good night.
0: Jolly good! Uh, congratulations on that anniversary. Um, you'll be celebrating thirty years next year. I don't know if it feels like yeah. thirty years.
1: No, it doesn't. Time time flies, doesn't it? Because uh, that season, we had a we had a brilliant season that season as well. Because we. Um, We also beat Liverpool in the League Cup and got to the quarterfinals, where we lost to Middlesbrough in a replay. Um, We'd also we'd beaten Wimbledon and Newcastle, Wimbledon obviously a Premier League team, or Division One team at that time. So we had a really good cup run. We had a really good run in the uh, I'm not sure what it was called at the time. Auto windscreen or whatever. Oh, oh, yes,
0: yeah, the auto windscreen.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the auto windscreens or whatever it was called at that time. We got to the semi-finals and lost to Stoke in that, so yeah, so that was, a, that was a, after the 80s and after um, some, some bad years, we, we had two promotions in a row, so we, we moved from the 4th Division to Division 1 in, in two seasons.
0: And this was before Barry Fry or with Barry Fry?
1: Yeah, this was before Barry Fry, oh, Chris, Turner. Turner. Chris Turner was the manager then, again, sadly, who sadly passed away. Three, four years ago, um, he had Alzheimer's. I All oh, connected with the, uh, heading. the heading of the ball that we oh. hear about with Jeff Astle and, and everything. He was he was again he was a brilliant guy. We, he was someone who always had time to to chat to you, and he remembered he remembered people. He remembered names. You know, I, I met I, I bumped into him at a game once. He was ill already then, but he remembered me, and it, it was you know that's kind of one of the things we always remember about. Chris was what a brilliant guy he was. Not just as the manager of the Posh, he was the he was the owner of owner of the club as well. Um, before Barry took it on,
0: there was one player who played more games for Peterborough than anyone else. Who was a winger uh, in the yeah. Doldrums in the fourth tier. Have you met Mr. Robson?
1: Yeah, um, Tommy. Tommy was again. I don't know whether you know. He, he passed away this year. It's, it's quite hard to talk about because we knew Tommy. He was always when we're going to going to the ground to meet the mascots that we we take to the to the games. He was he was the um, boardroom host and the club host. So yeah, he's he was. I was honoured to you know to become a friend of Tommy. Not just he was my first hero as a posh as a. You know, in that year of 1974 when we won the league, he was my first hero, and he was a brilliant winger. He was uh, ahead of his time in the days of winning penalties. shall we call it? Yes, he, he could get fouled arts. halfway, in he could get fouled halfway through in the half and uh, and win a penalty. So, but Tommy, yeah, a, a, a club legend, and obviously, obviously a very good player because he also played for Chelsea, he played for Newcastle. We don't talk about when he played for Northampton, but um, he was. um yeah, a great guy, and he sadly missed last year. He was diagnosed with motor neurone disease not long ago at all. Um, one of the last things we did before the first lockdown was a, a night to raise money for him uh, with one of the supporters' organisations, and uh, it was sad to see him. So he could still talk. Tommy, Tommy was a, a brilliant storyteller. Even if he'd heard that story before, it was... Uh, was one of the things that you remember about him is that you didn't mind hearing that story again because he was such a such a brilliant guy. But yeah, we would had a fundraising event in February last year where he he came along and we also had back Alan McLean, George Boyd, and Greg McAl Smith uh-huh. for, uh, for for a question and answer night and uh, raise a bit of money for Tommy. But yeah, like I say, sadly we when we go back. In August, Tommy won't be there, so uh, it'll be uh, it'll be a big hole in in the
0: in the club. Yeah, and maybe is he buried in Peterborough?
1: Uh, no, he, he, they um, he was a Geordie, so he's gone back. Promising um, yeah, he's gone back to uh, Gateshead, and, and uh, I, I think it was not long ago, actually, they took I, I saw something that he's actually been taken up to
0: be buried with his with his mum back in uh, Gateshead. Every club needs a Tommy Robson. We've got Luther Blissit. And yeah. did you, uh, when you were in the second tier in 92-93, 93-94, did you venture down to the Vic to watch? Uh, I oh, think Luther you. may have been playing for Watford at that time. Um, y- yeah, did you have I did. good luck? I think,
1: we w- I think we won a game. on a. I remember a Tuesday night game we went to Watford. I think it was probably after you'd signed Ken Charlery from us. So it was a bit there was a bit of a bit of needle because mm-hmm. you'd signed Ken Charlie from us, and we'd signed Tony Fidiskek as his replacement. I'm pretty sure Tony Fiiskirk scored the winner that night oh, and so you... Ken Charlie didn't score <laughs> but yeah yeah I, I, that rings a bell I, I wouldn't be hundred percent sure about that, but that, that rings a bell that we 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 went I've been to Watford a few. Again, Watford is another club that we've we've had a brilliant relationship with. Um, with free kicks, we've done a lot of lot of mascots down there. We worked with um, MenCap in Watford, mm-hmm. and they nominated lots of children to be to be mascots there. And um, we were we were in, we, did, we even done some since we, since Posh have not been playing Watford. We we did some. Uh, we went to a Watford versus Chelsea game. Uh, three or four seasons ago, and we were invited and given tickets to uh, to go along c- because we had a mascot. So that was a yeah, a few, a few visits to to uh, Vicarage Road would over that, the
0: years. Would that game have been the four one victory? Javier Gracia's first home game against Antonio Conte? No, it was, a,
1: it was a nil nil. It was a it was a it was a night game, and it was a nil nil. Um, Hazard. I remember Hazard being on the bench for Chelsea. I think Kike Sanchez Flores was, oh, it was the key K- year. Yeah. in his first in his first because I remember
0: I remember hearing them singing the
1: song and we were impressed by the low, Kike
0: low, Sanchez low, low, Flores. Kike yeah, Sanchez yeah, Flores.
1: We, were we were impressed by that. So that that, that, that was, it was that, that era.
0: Yeah, um, I remember going to watch. I think it was a fan day when it was 2013 or 2014. It was the year posh were in the second tier, and yes. I think kids could get in for a pound. I also remember Brighton coming to Watford, and there was an ex-Watford player who scored a penalty. He had long hair; he looked pretty lethal, and that was my first sighting of Craig McHale Smith, who is yes. stuck on ninety-nine yes. goals. He was actually born at Watford General Hospital. I found out. Um, yeah,
1: yeah, he is. Low. Yeah, yeah, he did. He did. He did get his hundredth goal when he came back. He um, he came back on loan
0: oh, uh, a couple of years ago.
1: Uh, so yeah, his ninety ninth goal was um, in the playoff final at uh, Old Trafford when we beat Huddersfield three nil, and then he obviously he went. He'd already been promised to move at the end of that season, whatever whatever league we were going to be in. And yeah, he, he came back a couple of seasons ago and scored scored his hundredth goal. Um, but yeah, those those were good years with McLean and mccarl Smith and, and Boyd and again scoring lots and lots of goals and i do I do remember that I do remember the one you were talking about when we um came to Watford. I think it was a tenner a ticket as well yeah. so we i think we we brought about two and a half like three thousand fans because we we like a bargain up here in Peterborough, so, so did we everybody, everybody decided to go and I think that was the season we went down
0: yeah but Birmingham survived, and Peterborough went down at the last minute, yeah yeah. All right, well, moving, was, on, um, moving on to happier things. Um, yeah. Talking about bargains, this guy, Barry Fry, yes, he wheels and deals, but oh my God, the wheeling and dealing. So he keeps bringing in these pearls for nothing and then selling them off as profit. I didn't realise Dwight Gale only played 29 games. Yeah. Uh, how much was he signed for? I think it was about
1: five, maybe 500, 600,000, something like that.
0: And he was sold on for... He sold him
1: for six and a half million or something. I think around that, around that. But yeah, he was as soon as he came in, he was one of those players you could see was. You know, we, I think we bought him from Bishop Stortford or Dagenham. I know he played for Bishop Stortford. But it might have been Dagenham. We bought from bought him from, and yeah, he was marvelous and a, a great finisher. And I remember a hat trick he scored at. Um, we won three-two at Blackburn, and he scored a hat-trick in that game. I think it was. It might even been the first half hat-trick. But yeah, he was a brilliant goal scorer, and always going to going to move on. That was the season we got relegated the last time from the championship. If I think if, if he'd have, if we'd have stayed, up, he may have stayed that season. But he, he obviously joined
0: Palace. It seems to be. The, in the way that Rep Theatre prepared the next generation of top British actors, the number nine shirt at London Road is an audition because we've seen uh, Mikhail Smith and Gail. Yeah. Uh, this season it's been the man everyone knows as JCH, Johnson Clark. JCH, yeah. Who,
1: yeah.
0: Whom you expect will stay unless there is a gargantuan offer from someone. Uh, but my favourite, because I've met him, I met him at a Watford... Open day when he was very young, uh, and I always remembered the name Britt Asombalonga. Yeah, yeah. Who is now at Middlesbrough? He's had some terrible injuries and very bad luck, but he did very well at Posh. What do you reckon Barry Fry sold him on Peterborough as? What What is the bump and the spiel that Fry gives to the next Johnson
1: Clark Harris? Him and and Dara, who's who's very good at this kind of thing too. They just They'll just tell players that you know you, you come here, you'll score goals, especially with Darren Ferguson as manager, you know, and you'll get the chances to score goals, and then you got you get the chance to to move on to to, to bigger things. Um, obviously, we had Ivan Tony last season, who was I think he's he's probably the we all knew how good he was going to be, and. He probably should have gone to the Premier League. One of the, one of the Premier League teams probably should have took a, a gamble on him last season. Why
0: not but Newcastle? He, he used to play for Newcastle.
1: Yeah, exactly. We bought him from Newcastle and we bought him for another... That was another 160000 or something like that, 200000 And, yeah, I think he just sells to these players that we're going to make you a better player. Darren Ferguson's going to make you a better player. You'll score a lot of goals. And... You'll get a move, and you know if we want the club doesn't hold hold players back. Um, I think Tony could have moved on in January last year, but he was persuaded that yeah you know see the season out. Obviously the season didn't finish, but see the season out, and then you'll get an even better move in the summer. And yeah, I think it's it's, it's a it's a good business model. You know that we can keep picking up these players. I think we played one and a half for Britt Sambalonga and then sold him on again for for big money. Yeah, so he, he money. was a... Yeah, it is, it is. And, that, you know, that's that's kind of kept the club going over the over the years, yeah. you know. And, that's, and then you can reinvest, you know, the, the more you sell players on for, the better players you can buy as well. Like I think, again, we spent another over a million, you know, it's crazy to think of where we've come from, and the people United are spending a million on players. You know, it's uh, from back in the eighties where we were getting one and a half, two thousand people in the ground. We're now a club that that spends a million pounds on players.
0: It's looking good, and being in the second tier means you get—is it four and a half million pounds a year just for being in it?